It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today on this sunny Saturday morning, halfway through the month of May. And we've got uh, 63 degrees outside and sun at the moment, some rain in the forecast for the rest of the weekend with you until 11, as I mentioned. Mr. Tate, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. We'll find some things to talk about. The phone line is open, 356-9397. Starting to get uh, some conversation, at least, about uh, some activity maybe beginning soon. You've got a NASCAR race this weekend. You've got golf coming up in the next couple of weeks. You've got baseball talking. You've got uh, National Football League uh, franchises able to open their facilities next week uh, to their uh, teams. Uh, NBA has opened some of theirs, so maybe we're getting close to something. Yeah, and, and something's coming up that I didn't anticipate, and I should have, is the fact there's going to be a little bit of a squabble over the pay uh, for, for both uh, NBA and uh, baseball, uh, particularly when you hear uh, the race pitcher Snell talk about, I want my money, I don't care about anything else. Okay, great for you, but obviously uh, the owners are going to, if, I, I'm told that the owners would lose, what, $4 billion if, if, uh, if, if the games weren't played. And, they, and they're only going to have half a season, Steve, if they do play, that 82 games. Right. And, and on, on top of that, you're going to lose 40% of the income from the other games because you're not going to have any fans there. I don't think they're going to have fans. It doesn't look like it. So at least not at the start. There's got to be a heck of a compromise here between the owners and – and players, they, they need a, a really smart guy, guy like you to come in and just be the <laughs> arbitrator and just make a ruling and, and everybody go with it. But that's not going to happen. I don't think that easy. Well, the same way with college football. I think maybe college football needs a czar of some kind to, to take over. I don't know what the answer is there. Uh, uh, the Big Ten, uh, one of the presidents of the Big Ten, Shapiro at Northwestern, mentioned that uh, – their plan, of course, everybody's got a plan, right? You got to have more than one plan. Mm -hmm. But uh, their plan is to have, if they play football, they want all 14 teams playing in the Big Ten. Well, that's nice. Well, they they, they can want what they want. Exactly. <laughs> but if you know, if Maryland can't play, uh, do you not have a season? Or I mean, Rutgers, if, if, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, if you got if you got uh, 12 or so teams that can play, I think they would have to go forward. Rutgers is in a not enviable position. New Jersey's in a tough spot there really is. So, yeah, and then would they go forward with 10 teams or 12 teams? Uh, that'll. Well, I think the answer to that is, of course, they would. Of course, they would. Ohio State's not going to. $75 million? Yeah, it's $75 million a team that you would lose in distribution if, you know, and, and income if, if you don't have football. But I don't know also, Steve, um, how much Ohio State is? I'm using as an example. They t they took in last year, fifty one point five million dollars in revenue from seating from fans in the seats. 
as supposed Illinois had around six million. That's how important seating is for them when they're putting in over a hundred thousand per game. So for them, they're going to lose an awful lot of their anticipated income by not having fans. But if they get the uh, the uh, TV side of it, uh, the TV side brought in thirty-four million for them and Illinois. They all get the same in in uh, distributions. In, I'm talking about just football. And if they open it, when, let me do this, when they open it for fans, you know, some fans are hesitant to, to go back. Some teams don't roll that well in the first place. So that might make some people stay away. In Columbus, in Ann Arbor, they're going to have 100,000 as soon as they can have 100,000. Those people will go back. There's, there's a huge wait. Mm, no, not. I, I don't think so, I Steve. know Ohio State fans. Yeah, I know, but. Uh, if they can go, they'll go. And there's might... another 20,000 that want to go that can't go. Yeah. Well, that part's true, I, I, but I, do you think they'll allow people to sit right next to each other? Well, that's the thing. I, I don't think they'll do that for a while. But I'm saying if they did, if they said, okay, we're, we're normal, you do it. If you feel like you can do it, do it. They'll do it there. They'll do it in the SEC. Now, they may not be able to do that because of whatever regulations they put in, but uh, as soon as they can do it, they're full again. Well, I, I don't agree with that, but I, I respect your opinion. <laughs> I just I'm not I, saying the, everywhere. The reason the reason I'm I, I wonder is that you know I see that when restaurants come open, they don't just automatically draw what they were drawing before. There are some people res- reticent about coming back. I'm one of those. I know, but I I I've, uh, I ordered out last night. Got a great pizza. Uh, you know, I I'll order out, but I I'm not going to go in and sit down for a while. I get that. But also, football is a religion in some places. Yeah, it is. You know, it's not everywhere. Just like drinking is a religion in, some, in Wisconsin. And, <laughs> and do you see the numbers that showed up at that bar? Apparently, <laughs> you're right on that. <laughs> Give us a call if you want. We've got an open line going here for the first uh, few minutes of the show. Here's our scheduled guest lineup. After our first break, about 9.15, we're going to visit with uh, one of the incoming basketball uh, players for the University of Illinois, Andre Corbello, who is out in New York. We'll talk to him. He's a point guard. He'll join us at 9.15. We'll talk baseball with uh, Tom Ackerman at 9.30. We'll get his take on what is going on in the baseball world. At 10 o'clock, our attorney friend Steve Beckett will join us, talk about several things. And then at 10.30, Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News will uh, check in with us. We'll talk Illinois football recruiting in the meantime we do have plenty of time for an open line. Let's uh, go to the phones and say good morning to Alan. What do you say, Alan? Morning, guys. Steve, I can't believe you're not out playing golf this morning. 11.30, I will be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I went to a restaurant over Terre Haute uh, this week. Never had a problem with it. I mean, they got 50% uh, capacity to all this and that. I didn't even think twice about it. I was just glad to be able to do something somewhat normal. And as far as uh, seating capacity in Illinois, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that anyway. Uh, I mean, I'm always been able to go set pretty much by myself pretty well. Most of the stadium except in the very middle. So as far as Illinois goes, that that's not going to be a problem for a while, I don't think. Uh we got some football recruits this week, right? Got uh, a, a transfer, yes, and we got a, a recruit out of uh, Florida, yes, a linebacker by the name of Moffitt. So that means there's only still two high school recruits we got? No, that's the third one. Three, yeah. 
Oh, third one? Okay, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, Moffat's the third one. He's, a, he's a listed as a two-star by uh, rivals, I believe. He might be a three-star in some. 185- uh, to 190-pound uh, linebacker with speed. And uh, the interesting thing was, and we can get more information from Doug Bouchon on this, but his dad played at, I'm going to say, South Florida when Rod Smith was a coach there. And he was a member of that team in 2003 as a freshman. He played from 2003 to 2006 or so, maybe seven. And uh, it's interesting because he, the dad played in 2003 and the son's going to play in – well, not in 2000. He's a, he'll be a senior in high school this year. Right. Anything else, Alan? Uh, yeah, there is. I'm building up to the baseball thing. Okay. I listened to what uh, Blake Snell and uh, Bryce Harper had to say, and that really bothered me a lot. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. But yeah. They, mm-hmm. they want to get paid, right? That's ridiculous what you know what they say that getting paid is one thing, but how are you acting about it that's right is another snell I mean, Snell ought to be ashamed, but he of course he wouldn't yeah. be but but uh, I didn't hear what uh, harper said what did, what did harper say well, I didn't actually hear what Harper said. he just confirmed what Snell said, so that tells me that he would say the same thing probably. But the way Snell said it, the way he said it, that he wasn't getting crap if he only got half, and, and he was uh, risking his life going out and playing baseball, that's ridiculous. Yeah, he said, so he said I'm going to get mine. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, 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 the well, risk in my life thing, I didn't, I, I'd never heard that before. Of course, there was a young man by the name of Chapman many, many years, a century ago, practically, that was killed by a, by a pitch, but... Had, there's never been anybody. Now, in the minor leagues, there was a, a coach got hit by a line drive and was killed. But uh, I don't know of any major league. If somebody help me, is any major leaguer? Well, he's thinking about with the virus. He, he's talking about the virus. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. He's oh. talking about catching the virus and okay. risking Excuse his me. life that way. Yeah. Right. That's okay. ridiculous. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. Driver. There was a truck driver called in on the ESPN complaining about that. Telling he's making 50000 Dollars a year driving a truck, taking a lot more chances than what these baseball players are. If I was an owner, I wouldn't let him play. I'd get some minor leaguers to let him play. All well, right, Alan. If that's the way they feel about it, let them set. Well, they'll have to have a they'll have to be a, a a decision made between the players' association and the owners. That's for sure, and, yep. and that's going to be the tough part. Good stuff, Alan. Thank you. Let's uh, move on to uh, David in Springfield. Good morning, David. Hey, Stephen Lawrence. Good to good to hear your show again. Thank you. Um, you're my highlight of the weekend, by the way. I'm oh. a big Atlanta fan. Uh, I have a different kind of a question for you. Um, <clears throat> I have a grandson who's serving in the military. He's over in, he was in Iraq, now he's been moved to Kuwait. They can't send him home because of the virus. Okay, and here's the issue. He's a big Illinois football and basketball fan. Matter, matter of factly, uh, last year, he's in he's in Iraq in his barracks, and he's watching it on his iPhone, the Illinois Wisconsin football game. And so, when they kicked the extra point, or kicked the field goal at the end to win it, he sat up in his bunk and started yelling, and people come running into his barracks to see what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But uh, but anyway, he'll be coming home. They're supposed to come home soon, but now they've delayed it again. And but here's what my my question is. 
uh, I would love to have an autographed picture from Lovey and Brad Underwood, Lovey Smith and Brad Underwood, just so I can give it to him when he gets back home, kind of like a gift. He could come home for leave sometime later this year. And But I called the school, and all I get is the iPhone people when they transfer me. Do you have any suggestions on how I could get a hold of uh, Josh Whitman or any of the coaches to be able to request that, make that request? Yes, I, I would uh, contact Kent Brown. And, oh, uh, okay. Kent will help you. I mean, I'm sure Kent Which would... department is he in? Well, he's Sports Information Department. Okay, because I asked for I asked for SID and they gave me just a, 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 a on the phone and then they automatically transferred me and I couldn't well, talk to anybody. Asked to tra- asked to be transferred to Kent Brown, and okay. and I'm sure that Kent will help you. I don't oh, think well, I sure appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it might take you a little while because those people are yeah, working I mean, remotely. Yeah, Lovey's in Arizona yep. and, and uh, of course Underwood's in town. But well, Kent will get back with you for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's. Yeah, I understand that. There's no rush, and but he forced to come back home the end of, you know, sometime the end of May, first of June. I pushed it back maybe August. Now they're talking about December even. So well, yeah, I, I, I don't rush. know that Lovey's going to be back here for quite a while because travel is being what it is. I, I don't know. Maybe Kent would be able to tell you that when Lovey will be coming back. That'd be that's a good point. Okay, well, I sure appreciate it, and I, I personally have a, an autographed picture of Brad Underwood on my on my wall. But I want to wonder my grandson just if he'd autograph his name on it and stuff. You sure. know, it'd be, would be you terrific. know, they, Kent might have something in stock. He might. That's what I was. That's what I was hoping. Yeah. yeah. Hey, David, thanks for the call. We appreciate I'll do you that listening. Monday, then. Okay. Thank you very much. You bet. Nine thirteen, almost nine fourteen. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, with you until 11. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9-16 here in central Illinois. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Our next guest is an incoming Illinois basketball player out of... uh, the state of New York, Long Island Lutheran High School. Andre Curbelo is on the line with us. Good morning, Andre. How are you? How are things in New York? Good morning, sir. Good morning. All good over here. Um, things in New York are doing, um, you know, they're getting a little better, but it's very slow. the process has been very slow. Um, but me and my and my whole family, we took like a little vacation to South Carolina since things aren't that good over there. Um, and, you know, but I'm I'm safe. Everything is good. Family is good. Um, and just trying to get better every day. What are you doing to try to get better every day? Are you able to work out? What uh, What does a normal day look like for you until you get to Champaign Urbana? Um, I've been working out um, every day. You know, doing doing some push-ups, abs. Um, I like that's on the side, and then I've been doing the workouts that the the trainer, Coach Fletch, um, has been sending me. And, you know, just trying to stay in shape, just trying to get better every day, um, even though it's not, you know, basketball, like with a basketball, but uh, I'm trying to, you know, get better in my body and stuff. And that way when I, when I come in, I'm ready to go. And um, I don't have to do as much work as if I don't work out. So, um, you know, I've been grinding and, you know, trying to get better every day. Andre, this is Lauren Tate. Uh, I'm here with Steve Kelly. Uh have you uh, got a place you can shoot baskets? I mean, you have, can you play outdoors or anywhere around? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, at home I have a hoop, so every now and then, like, 
you know, it's not the, the greatest hoop and it's not the greatest score, but um, at least I have something. So I've been doing that a little bit um, when, I, when I was back home in New York. Um, and here in South Carolina, um, I found a hoop yesterday. So today I'm going to start doing some stuff that, you know, I have a trainer. Um, his name is Steven Garcia. Um, he works out like high athletes, like level players. Um, and I told him, you know, it's concrete. Um, it's on the greatest court. It's so <laughs> okay. Just send, you know, yeah, just send me a couple of clips, you know, trying to do, you know, at least shooting clips. Um, and he works out, he, he worked out, um, um, JJ Barrera, who's like, you know, pretty, really, really good player. Um, and he's Puerto Rican and playing on the national team and stuff. Um, and when he got hurt, um, he was training with, with him and, um, he sent me a couple of clips of, you know, what he was doing with JJ. Um, and, and it looked really good. So today I'm going to do that. And, you know, I'm just going to try and get some reps from now on. Well, Andre, uh, I want you to take us back. Uh, uh, Antigua, uh, Orlando Antigua, who's assistant coach here, recruited you. But tell me about the relationship between Antigua and your father back in Puerto Rico. Did they play together? Um, I that That's that's a really good question. I always get confused. Oh, I know they, I think, I don't know if they play together, but I'm pretty sure they played against each other. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that relationship, um, between my parents and, and, and him and me with him, it's like, you know, like if, if you take basketball away, like we will still be friends because like, like you said, they played together or against each other. Um, and they just build like a relationship. So, just knowing that there's a relationship outside of basketball, that's just a great thing to have because um, you always want to have like a, a relationship where you can always um, look forward to, if, you know, if you have a question outside of basketball and, you know, you're a little, I don't know, scared to ask the head coach or like um, your teammates or whatever, you can always go up to him and even you can, you can even ask him in Spanish if, if, if I wanted to. So, <laughs> Just having just having him there, um, I feel like um, it's going to be really good. Um, it's going to be, you know, he's going to be supporting me a lot. I mean, I know every other coach will be too. But I feel like his support is going to be a little different just because the relationship we, we have outside of basketball. But I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. And, you know, I'm really looking forward for, for the other coaches, you know, to meet them and um, and to see what they have and what they bring to the game of basketball. What, uh, when did you come from Puerto Rico to New York and how did that come about? So everything started when I was around 11 and 12, um, 11, 12 years old. Um, I kind of told my parents, um, you know, I, I think I want to, um, make the jump and, and, you know, get a better challenge um better opportunities stuff like that and there was one there's this guy his name is edgar padilla um he worked at um he played at umass um when coach calitari was the coach um really good player and his son um me me and his son will, will play against each other a lot back home and you know i will always have a great game against him and there was one time um, I played against his son, and, and, and me and my dad, um, my dad and, and Edgar were talking. And, and you know, they were watching the game, and after the game, 
um, Edgar told told my dad, hey, like I like it's time, like he needs to get out of here, like he has no challenge here whatsoever, like he needs to go somewhere where he can be challenged and and he can you know be another player who needs to improve his game to you know be the best again. Um, so me, um, Edgar and my parents um, started you know having conversations without me, um, meetings stuff like that. Um, so my parents came out the plan. And then I don't remember exactly what date, but it was after I had a I had a tournament with the national team, Puerto Rico, um, the Central Basket, and we won gold medal and stuff against Dominican Republic. Um, and then after a couple of days after that game, um, Edgar, my parents, and, and myself, we met at a restaurant, and uh, actually no, we met at the mall. We we went to the food court of the mall and you know we Edgar just started talking about where I was going to be living in um um what what the school like like the name of the school um coaches the name of the coaches stuff like that just basically talking about the plan and um at the end he was like well um we're in August right now you know school here in Puerto Rico starts in August if you don't want to do this you got to tell me right now like right at this second <laughs> um, because then we we will have to find you a school here in Puerto Rico if you don't want to make the jump. So I was like, because you know at first like I I was like excited and like you know I wanted to do it, but when a grown man like that tells you that you need to leave everything behind, including your family, um, at 13 years old, you know you get you you, you get a little shook. I, I was shook by that, and that's hard. I said that I'm like well. Yeah, really hard. You know, I'm only 13. Um, you know, I'm, I was always used to wake up and see my parent, my my mom, because my parents are separate. So I will, you know, I live I live more time with my mom. Um, I will see my mom and my brother like every morning, eat breakfast together, and then go to school. And you know, not having that, it's like, wow, that's not gonna be the same anymore. I'm gonna have to wake up, but like I'm not seeing anybody. Um, so you know, I, I told him, yo, like I'm gonna take a quick walk, um, and I'll come back with an answer. So. I took the walk and, and then I came back and I just say yes um, because I knew it was going to be the best for me. I knew that's what my parents wanted, even though it was going to be hard. Um, obviously, at that age, you want to be with your parents and you want to be with your friends and you want to be with, the, with you know, your entire family. But I just say yes. And, and you know, I was excited for it and, and it was hard. It was a, it was a hard process. Um, but here I am now, um, going to college for free and, you know, I accomplished all my dreams already, finished high school strong. And even though I'm not done yet, but, you know, basketball wise, um, I finished and, and going to college day one for free. So I think I've been doing a pretty good job of, you know, accomplishing my goals. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much how it happens. Visiting with Andre Corbello, he'll be coming to, uh, Champaign-Urbana, hopefully in June, along with Adam Miller and Coleman Hawkins in this recruiting class for Brad Underwood. What do you know about those two guys? Have you uh, played against or with either one of them? And have you communicated with uh, Miller and Hawkins? Yeah, I talk to them. I talk to them every now and then, too. Um, and I saw I – don't, I don't even – I'm not really sure if I played against Coleman, but um, I, I've seen him play, I think. I'm pretty sure I've seen him play um, AAU. And then I saw Adam played at South Carolina 
at the Beach Ball Classic this, you know, past um, December, I believe. Um, and wow, two hell of a players. Um, can, both can score at any level. Um, athletic. I think it's going to be, it's, you know, I think the three of us are going to be a really, really, really good, you know, addition to the uh, to the team. I think we're going to bring a lot of, you know, positive things, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I talk to them every now, every now and then. Um, we, the three of us are very excited to, you know, come to Illinois. And like you said, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it's in June. Um, that way we can just get, you know, straight to business. Have you had any conversations with Kofi Coburn? Um, I, you know, I text him. We 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 don't really talk that often, but um, the times we talk, uh, you know, like people I've seen, um, I, I told him, yo, like, you know, I want the best for you, and you know, if you gotta go, you gotta go. Um, but listen, if if you come back, I'm telling you, you could be a real like. You could be a higher pick. Um, I'm going to make you look better. I'm going to, you know, throw you some flash passes, some loves, um, and, you know, so we can put the, the State Farm Arena in, you know, really loud and, you know, make the Illini fans uh, come to the games even more. Um, so hopefully he, you know, he has that in the back of his mind and um, and he thinks about it because I'm telling you, if he comes back, um we, we, we're going to be really special. I mean, even though if he doesn't, we're going to be special no matter what, but we're just going to be extra special if he comes back. Uh, Andre, uh, if I called you a pass-first guard, what would be your reaction? Um, I wouldn't mind that because it's true. Um, that's what I do. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I average, I think, 16 point something points per game, but... Um, I think I, I had like six or seven assists per game as well. So I think I can do a little bit of both. Um, I don't really shoot crazy like that. Like I only shoot when it's necessary. But every time I drive or I call a screen, you know, I'm going to look, you know, the, the roller, like the big man rolling, or I'm going to look for my shooters. Um, and then I'm going to look for my options for like a floater, a layup, a pull up J or whatever. But um, yes, it's true. I'm a pass point guard first um, because that's what I like and that that's what makes me happy. Well, we've seen a lot of your video and we like what we see there. We look forward to seeing you play in person. Look forward to meeting you in person. Andre Corbello, thanks for taking time with us and uh, enjoy uh, the rest of the, uh, the break and we look forward to seeing you in June. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me and, you know, looking forward for that as well. Have a great one. You bet. You Thank too. Thank you. Andre Curbelo, our guest at 9.30, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break here at the bottom of the hour, continue. We'll talk some baseball up next. The phone line will be open. Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis will join us back in just a moment. Moving up on 9.32, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, with you until 11 o'clock today. Thanks to Andre Curbelo, incoming Illinois basketball player. He'll be here in June, hopefully, and he'll uh, be in contention for the starting point guard position. He's, uh, he's a good one if you've seen him on video, but uh, enjoyed visiting with him. Very good uh, interview. You, you heard what Underwood said, didn't you? 
I know who my point guard is. <laughs> he didn't mention his name. He said, I know who it is. <laughs> Hand him the ball. Let's talk some baseball. Tom Ackerman with us from St. Louis, Missouri. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. I tried to tell people Underwood's going to get the job done there. This guy knows basketball. He can recruit. That's going to be a program, man. That's, the Illinois is going to be a problem they, <laughs> for a lot of people. That's that's a good team he's putting together. Yeah, hopefully when we get back to whatever normal is, we'll be able might, to see that. Might even play. Uh, might even beat Missouri one of these years. You never know. <laughs> that hadn't <laughs> been working know. the last two years. Yeah, Missouri, I thought that was going to be the springboard for them, and then they didn't do anything. But um, that also was because Tillman didn't play. But anyway, it, it was uh, it was an interesting college basketball season that unfortunately came to an end too soon. And, and really, for all of us who love March Madness, that was a difficult month to get through without hoops. And then on top of that, we had no baseball. And I remember being there on that March game it was March 12th. I was calling the game with Mike Claiborne and we knew that that was probably going to be our last game. Um, and the Cardinals and major league baseball informed us, I think it was in the seventh inning that at the end of this game, we are going to cancel spring training, very eerie feeling. And it still is, you know, even talking about Illinois point guard situation, or I just chatted before we, uh, before I took your call with a long time Mizzou football fan and basketball fan um, who's moving into a nursing home and, and we just chatted for a long time. He's been a, a fan forever and ever, squeaky Marquardt. And, you know, I was sitting there thinking, but what will this season look like? I don't know. And so now, the, you know, the one sport that I have somewhat of a handle on is baseball because they are very close but how far apart are they in agreeing on all of this, too? And I'm, I'm just sort of not sure about any of it right now. I'm hopeful, and I want baseball to be played, but I think it's a little more complicated than we realize. And uh, this is one of those examples of behind the curtain, and you guys have seen behind the curtain in the world of sports. Sometimes it's not pretty how this product is made for all of us who enjoy the beauty of the game. Sometimes behind the scenes, it's not the prettiest. I hope that they can get it together and, and show us some baseball. Any idea what it will look like when that does happen? I mean, if it does happen, and I certainly hope it does, and I'm not putting blame on anybody here. I'm not blaming the owners or the players. I'm actually blaming both um, because uh, I feel it's a little disorganized and we have people you know, saying things on social media and we have people making appearances on TV and uh, on both sides. And I don't, I, I just, can, can there be some middle ground, please? Can we get together and just play somewhat of a baseball season? And what it would look like from the owner's proposal is 82 games, an 82 game regular season. They would add more playoff teams. So you would have now 14 postseason. So that's almost half of, of major league baseball clubs there are 30 clubs 14 of them would make the postseason you'd add two more wild cards in each league and this would start if they can hustle here and get it done it would start july 4th weekend with a spring training about two and a half weeks prior to that and you would play 82 games so that's going to take you about three months so july august september and then october like normal you'd have your playoffs I would think that the latest they could push that back would be August 1st for an opening day. 
I think you could get away with doing an August, September, October regular season and a November postseason. But now you're getting into some very chilly temperatures and you'd have to alter what you do in terms of where those playoff games are played potentially. Actually, you're going to have to alter just about everything potentially because if you look around the country, we're all in a different place right now as to when we reopen, when the stay-at-home orders are. Everything is seems to be different. And then, on, and then the biggest of all, aside from the 50-50 revenue split between the two that the players, it sounds like, don't really want to do, is the testing and the quarantine aspect of all of this. What does that mean? What does that look like? And are the players going to be healthy and safe? So there's still a lot out there at play, and a lot of it does have to do with the guidelines and restrictions that we are under as a country and as states. Would you feel any better, Tom, if you hadn't heard what uh, Blake Snell had to say in that interview? Yeah, I'd feel better. I, I didn't think it was um, – while I understand and appreciate his stance, you know, to have a player popping off on some social media video with headphones on, I mean, I just <laughs> – why can't, why can't this be negotiated properly and discussed? Um, I, you know, the thing is, Lauren, is we have millions of baseball fans who many of them are literally risking their lives right now. They are on the front lines. They are out there. They're not making very much money. They're risking their lives. So I'm not saying that Blake is right or wrong in his stance. This is a business and he has the right to ask for money but when it becomes public i'm not so certain that that a a good portion of your fan base is going to be uh sympathetic because of where we are as a country right now um so that's my feeling on it and i'm not and i i am not taking a side here i am i am taking the side of baseball fans and i do want to see the game played because i think it would be good for us but I, I want everybody to be healthy and safe, and I want it to be done properly. And I, and I feel like uh, it's like discombobulated right now. I'm not really sure that the, both sides were properly prepared for what we're seeing right now. Is um, there, is there a mediator a that's the right guy, the perfect mediator? I mean, is it the commissioner? Is it Who is the right guy that can step in there and make both sides agree? That's a great question. And perhaps that's something that's being discussed right now, and it probably should be. I don't know of of who that would be. Now, the commissioner is going to, in the commissioner's office, they are going to be, they're the ones that are proposing what the owners have approved. Uh, But Major League Baseball does have a business interest and wants to get, believe me, they want to get the product on the field. So the commissioner is going to be one that, while he wants everybody to be safe and uh, they have, multiple scenarios and plans that they've been discussing, you know, they do want their brand out there. They're going to want the game on TV and radio. They, they want people talking about it. Um, I, I think that it does require somebody to balance this out. And I'm not really sure who that would be, but it, it is, um, I think we're in, we still have some time and this was not, I didn't expect this to be approved overnight by the players but i i think we have an issue here that's rather complicated and by the way 
you know, you, the the whole idea of testing is the big one because the the question that kind of lingers out there, and you would have to rely on somebody medically to to talk about this, and there's still a lot of unknown about COVID-19, so that's also at play. But I think the huge question is, what if a player tests positive? Then what happens? What happens in the middle of the season? You know, how do you how do you keep this from spreading? What happens to that player? What happens to the to the teams, et cetera? Also, we don't know where these games are going to be played for sure. I think that they'd like to play at their home ballparks, but I'm not sure that everybody wants to play in their home ballparks. A lot of these home ballparks are in the middle of hotspots and and cities that are shut down. So the travel is is even though they've broken this up into regions, so the Cardinals, for instance, would play NL Central, AL Central, you still have to travel, and you have to travel into some pretty big cities, potentially. Do so you there's think, a lot of questions lingering. Tom, do you think we get to a point where they just say, okay, we tried, no 2020 baseball possible. season? Yeah, I do. I think that's possible. Uh, but I also think there's an understanding, even though there's – I've you've heard the resistance from a lot of the, not a lot of the players, some of the players, there is an understanding overall that 2020 is just different in everything that we do in the way that we order food, the way that we go about our daily lives. Everything in 2020 is different and maybe part of 2021 too. So we have to adjust and adapt. And I think the understanding is that whatever they do, it will be, unlike anything baseball or sports has ever seen, but that's because we're in an unprecedented time. And if that ends up ultimately saying, well, we, we had to cancel it. Well, it's a, it's a shame. Um, but 2020, there are a lot, a lot of things, as much as we'd love to see baseball being played, there are a lot of things more important than the game of baseball right now. And that's, I guess would have to be accepted and understood. How would that affect, uh, contracts say a guy's in his last year of a contract or a one-year contract i'm thinking of yadier molina and adam wainwright how might that affect the future of those guys in st louis right and think like marcelo zuna who decided right. to take a one-year deal with the braves a player like that is in his prime and, and others so yeah there, there's a you know in the case of yadi and wayno the fact that both of them have said publicly now that they would like to play beyond this year is very understandable. And they have an inner drive to compete and they want to continue to play. And this season, if it turns out to be canceled or if it's shortened, even if it's shortened, I think there's more in the tank for both of them to, to answer any question about whether they would be Cardinals. I, I cannot see a scenario where either of them would play for another team. Well, when because uh, yeah, for those uh, players in particular, because you know Molina, I can't see him going out and somebody throwing him a, a deal to be a starting catcher that's bigger than what the Cardinals would offer, and he would not go out and take a backup role with another team. Like, why wouldn't you just do that in St. Louis? I, I just don't see that. Uh, even though he he mentioned the words free agency to Marley Rivera of ESPN, he, technically he's correct. If the Cardinals didn't make him an offer, or if they if he couldn't work something out with the Cardinals, he would become a free agent. But that I don't think that's realistic. I think the Cardinals he he's he's very valuable to them in many many ways, and I think that he would remain a Cardinal. And I think the same goes for Wayno, who just showed that this past year working out a deal 
to stay with the team that was incentive uh, laden. So I, and then to answer your question about look, what is the contract? That, it's complicated, and I don't know the answer to that. I think we need to see what 2020 looks like first, and then what is 2021 from a financial standpoint? A lot of these teams are hurting right now, so I I just don't see if you have a a one year deal that expires this year. I don't see anybody throwing out massive contracts right now. If you have a a large contract, you're in much better shape. Well, I wanted to ask you about those long-term contracts. Just how, what happens to those if there's no season? That is still to be determined, I think. And I, I think that that has to be uh, talked about. It. I think some of those contracts, some are different than others, but I do think that there is a, uh, it, not a case-by-case basis, but I think that it's something that needs to be looked at beyond this year. I mean, if you're talking this year, they're discussing salary reduction and a 50-50 revenue split. What is 2021? Are we going back to, are we going back to a regular season, full season? Are all restrictions lifted? Is everything going to be normal? And I think that stuff is still very much up in the air. There has been no, no concrete determination on that for 2021 and beyond. Man, All I... we know right now is what's being offered to the players currently under their current numbers. They are being offered a 50-50 revenue split, which to them feels like a salary cap, and they don't want to do that because they've never done that. So they're, they'll come back with something else, and then there has to be some sort of middle ground here between the two. I can't wait till we start talking about and complaining about Dexter Fowler in right field and who's going to bat third and who's going to be whatever. I can't wait to start talking X and O's. I'm with you, man. And I'm with you. I kind of, you know, I remember and you guys have been through this too. We've been through many work stoppages and player strikes, you know, 94. I didn't cover it, but I was in college and I remember studying it in college at Indiana. And then before that, I was a young pup, but in 81, they had a strike shortened season. You know, so this is happening. We've had shorter seasons before. We've never had anything like this happen before. So eventually we get back to talking ball. I do remember, you know, saying out loud during all the steroid and performance-enhancing drug discussion, it seemed like baseball every single day it was about steroids, steroids, steroids. And I said, man, just one time I want to talk about, you know, strategy of the hit and run. And I want to talk about batting orders. And I, I want to talk about, pitching and 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 get back to that again the one thing i have been able to do through this guys is which was kind of fun i wrote a little column about it i ranked the top five cardinals dh candidates because that actually is a big part of this too we're talking about some radical changes in baseball moving forward can we get martinez back (laughs) if they're yeah i want it back if they're proposing a dh it looks like that's something we're going to have to live with if you've always been a national league fan and opposed to the DH, too bad. And I'm one of those, but I, I kind of have understood now that this is sort of inevitable that we're going to have to have a DH. So I ranked them, and I came up with Matt Carpenter as my number one choice just because he's better suited to hit than field, and it would give him an opportunity to get a little magic back in the bat. I put Ron Helvervello second because he can he can hit and he's not going to play first base unless 
Paul Goldschmidt's elbow troubles start to bother him again. He had some elbow trouble at the end of spring training, and wouldn't it be nice to have him take days off of the field and still bat? So I had him third on my DH list, Goldschmidt. Fourth, I put Tyler O'Neill, who I might even move up the list a little bit if the others wouldn't work out. But I really like Tyler O'Neill um, if he can learn how to recognize pitches a little better. And then my fifth would be Lane Thomas because with O'Neill and Lane Thomas, either of those guys, now you can get four outfielders in the lineup. And, yes, I am saying that I think Dylan Carlson could be a big player here in 2020. If they get this season going, I think he could fit on an expanded roster as a starting outfielder. I really do. But they have some talented outfielders, and three of them, Thomas, O'Neill, and Carlson, are going to battle for that left field spot. Fowler is going to be the starting right fielder. Unless something completely unforeseen happens, they're going to give him that chance. And the center fielder will be Harrison Bader because he's just an elite defender. They're not going to take him out of there. One other question about the TV. Uh, are they are they set up to to be able to uh, do they have the advertisers and the and the and the money that 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 you would expect in a half a season i think so i'm not working behind the scenes on that side just because we're i can tell you from a radio standpoint you know we are working extremely hard to plan and we have been um just to get everything in place and, and to know that we have our our advertisers and everybody in place. I know that I'd have to assume that on the TV side, they have their plan in place as well. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of money at stake on the TV side, and I think that I, I would think that once Cardinal baseball starts, you probably wouldn't lose anybody um, in terms of advertisers. But that is a big issue here too. I mean, they want to get going to get some of that TV revenue that they've lost back. And I can tell you, we would love to have some radio baseball on Camel X. I mean, we've had fun. Don't get me wrong. We, we played the 2011 games and we, we played 50 games in 50 days. We recapped the 2011 season from when they were 10 and a half out all the way to game seven of the world series. That was fun. Last night we played the Jack Clark game, game six. The night before that, we played the go crazy folks game, game five from 85. We're replaying some, uh, the game six and seven this weekend from 2011. Uh, but, you know, I, I, uh, live baseball is live baseball. And the, the fans of this team are very excited to just hear it, feel it. I think the TV and radio would benefit greatly because those fans can't attend, um, unfortunately, but it does help the revenue side for, for the media. And I, I think online, in newspapers and, and websites as well, uh, would do very well with the uh, with the written word and video recaps. So well, the, the, the reason you know, I brought up that, that question, the reason I brought up that question, Tom, is I just uh, there might be some some advertisers who don't have the business that they had before. Therefore, they might not true. be able to advertise as much as they had. And I, I, but I'm not aware of what I'm talking about. I'm just raising the question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know exactly what you're saying, and we'd have you'd have to go through the list and say, you know, which of these are not are not able, or they don't have the ability or the resources to to put that kind of money forward. You know, so but there are some businesses that are that are going to reopen here on Monday, and I think would like to have 
the uh, the publicity and the exposure um, to get out there and reconnect with their customer. So some yes, and some I think are are still on hold. But I'm confident that once baseball does come back, and I do still think that there's I'd, I'd put it at 75-25 that baseball is back. Uh, then I think that it's a it's a good feeling overall. I'm sitting here battling with my dog who really wants something really <laughs> bad that I have in my hand that he was not supposed to have. While I was talking to you about the DH, I actually tracked him down and took it out of his mouth. Um, but, you know, I do. I, I think that just that that feeling of having baseball back will reinvigorate everybody, including advertisers. And, you know, I, I'm of the belief that we – we, and some people differ with this stance, but I think we have to be careful reopening everything. I don't think you can just open everything up and everybody's back shoulder to shoulder again. And I think sports is a really good example of that. We are not going to be putting our arms around each other and drinking beers and sharing nachos right now. But but we are, the one thing we do have in common is that we love the game. And I think that the the sounds of the game, just the discussion of the game alone um, will draw people back in, including advertisers. But the the actual game play and following the standings and it's something we'll have to adjust to with no fans. But I think we'll I think right now we'll take just about anything. A lot of I mean, uh, there there are people who are following video game characters right now playing <laughs> baseball. So the real the real thing seems pretty appealing. A lot of things have changed in 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 our business. And one of our friends and a St. Louis icon, and I know a good friend of you, Bernie Miklas. Uh, kind of was subject to uh, some cutbacks in his uh, radio career, and those things happened, but uh, we were sorry to see that happen. Yeah, me too, and I talked to Bernie that day, and he's a great friend and somebody that taught me a lot. He and I hosted a show together back in the early 2000s. We did Sports Open Line together, and one thing that Bernie taught me was, it's so, you know, I was in my 20s, and I was just trying to, to do things right, and not get fired and, you know, try to be a, I mean, I'm on Camel X in my twenties. I mean, I got a lot to live up to. And what he taught me was don't be afraid to speak your mind, come out of your shell. He, he, I came out of my shell and became a competitor. Um, and he really pushed me to be that. And what he taught me was to prepare every single day and to, to justify what you are getting paid to do. Uh, justify your salary and and where you are and you know he he really in a lot of ways serves as like a big brother to me so it was kind of fun to be able to chat with him and hear his upbeat attitude he really was understanding of what happened which is that the company which is not our company but he was working for another radio company uh, decided to let him go because they couldn't afford it anymore and in this time, a lot of things are happening in our business and across the board. It's a very difficult time to be in our business and some tough decisions have had to be made. And while it's not easy, I love the attitude that he's taken both publicly and privately. And I know that he will be back working whenever the time is right. And and uh, that's just who he is. He's And he's one of the best that's ever done it. In our generation, you know, in my generation, he is 
like the standard in St. Louis. He's the one that we grew up reading, listening to. I had a very special opportunity to work with him, and uh, he's going to be just fine. Tom Ackerman, sports director at KMOX. Always appreciate your time, and hopefully soon we'll be able to get you back on and we can complain about this or that, or <laughs> managerial positions, uh, pitching changes, why didn't you, you send the runner, and all that kind of stuff. I miss that. Oh, yeah. We, we'll definitely do that. That's the thing, you know. You get that first game, be like, wow, this is so beautiful to have baseball back. Isn't this great? And then day two, we're like, what the heck kind of lineup was that? <laughs> I mean, let's go. <laughs> Long for the good old days. Hey, is Fowler really the right <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. We appreciate it, as always. All right, guys. Thank you. Tom Ackerman, the sports director at KMOX in St. Louis. That kind of takes care of the first hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, 9.56. We'll be back with hour number two after this here on DWS. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217 351 5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Thanks to Andre Curbelo and Tom Ackerman, our guests in the first hour of the show. Andre Curbelo, incoming Illinois basketball player, a point guard. Tom Ackerman, KMOX St. Louis Sports Director. Our leadoff batter here in hour number two is University of Illinois law professor Steve Beckett, who is on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? I'm well. Nice to talk to you. Keeping uh, busy during these uh, unusual times. How are things going on the online education? (laughs) Well, uh, I'm retired, so I'm a retired professor. So I actually haven't been teaching. Uh, Keep track of it through my colleagues. It's it's, uh, different. It's a lot different than uh, anything that uh, we've ever done. And of course, as I'm, I'm still practicing lawyer, and so the courts are on hold, and uh, so it's been different in that world uh, too. And just like you, I'm sure the kind of meetings you have are all virtual uh, meetings, and uh, it's nice every once in a while to see another human being beside your family. But just crazy times. Even though you're retired, you're not that far removed. What uh, what's your take on? when students might be back on campus at the University of Illinois? Well, I, I maintain contact with folks, and I think there are, uh, there are three possibilities. So one possibility is that the school opens up uh, completely with social distancing standards, different forms of classes, um, uh, different housing arrangements, uh, you know, to, to provide for that kind of social distancing that you, that you need. Uh, an in-between thing where, you know, students maybe rotate classes, uh, and uh, uh, I'm not sure about the housing under those circumstances. And the third one would be everything's virtual. And I think the university's still working on that, and they're going to have to decide probably in June exactly what the model is going to be. Well, if you'd have to decide in June, that's pretty early, but... Uh... But uh, if it's virtual, well, because of all the logistics, of yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting, getting things to. in place. I, I think right. you have to decide well in advance. Exactly, and and I just can't imagine uh, what it would mean to the cost of education, 
if you're going to be virtual, do I have to pay the same tuition? I mean, it doesn't seem well, to me. Just, you know, stop and think. If the education is virtual, then uh, all of the funding for the housing uh, falls by the wayside. I'm sure that the university had to refund significant funds for the spring housing uh, situation. I'm sure that put it, put them behind the eight ball financially. And, $37 million. You know, That's what it was. Yeah, so yeah. Right. And so stop and think if you didn't have that. That income, you still got to maintain those housing units, et cetera, and you're not going to have income from it. it it's a, it's a, it's pretty much a nightmare, I guess. Well, I'm going to switch you over to sports, and you know this is coming because we got Bill. Yes, Sel- I do. Bill I Se- do. This is <laughs> this is one of the more complex uh, NCAA scandals we've had in our lifetime. It really is because I, I see that the FBI, in in dealing with this situation with Nike and Adidas and the and the, and the shoe companies accused those those companies of fraud against the colleges for paying players to wear their products, okay? Now you got the NCA coming in, and, and they're saying that the that Nike and Adidas are like boosters. And they're right, help, right. I mean, I don't— right. Well, and I think the first part of it, the first part of the FBI investigation is broader than just the institutions. It's also um, about bribing assistant coaches and arguably— uh, bribing head coaches because, you know, they threw some names out at some Arizona, LSU, and, and South Carolina, I think some other big programs, but they never went after the head coaches. They only went after the assistant coaches mm-hmm. and Auburn. We don't want to forget Auburn, do we? No, no, we don't. Pearl's still there, <laughs> and he's got... Yeah, yes, can you, can you stop and think, Lauren? It's, uh, this fall is 30 years with the conclusion of our investigation. Yeah, yeah, 1990. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. But uh, how do you how do you explain uh, how do you differentiate between these two situations with Kansas? Well, let's, and, and, let's and, focus at, first on the FBI. So the FBI was a criminal investigation where they had uh, two undercover people. They had this Marty Blazer, and they had uh, Jeff D'Angelo, and they were they were working undercover and work and with Chris Dawkins they. Uh, pretended to be part of a sports agency group. And what they were going to do was they were going to bribe coaches and players. And the, and, uh, the idea was so that those players, when they had completed their college eligibility, would sign on with this agency. And there was a HBO special about this. I don't know if anybody saw it called The Scheme. And, you know, like Chris Dawkins said in that, you know, if you just hook on to one you know, number one uh, uh, draft pick uh, kind of guy, you've made it all worthwhile. And so, you know, you're making investments in players that you think are on the come that might, you know, be able to uh, make it. And so there are undercover wiretaps, and, of course, we have texts and et cetera. And, and that FBI investigation, which was a criminal investigation, and end up uh, with uh, fraud and conspiracy charges against assistant coaches and, and, uh, and uh, these uh, agent guys, uh, and they went to trial, and uh, some of them pled guilty, and several of them were found guilty. Uh, and uh, the Dawkins, Dawkins and Merle Code, their cases are on appeal, and that'll be interesting. We'll get back to that. But um, as a result of that, of course, then the NCAA and its infractions uh, uh, group uh, obviously found out that this was going on. And Merle Code had ties to Adidas, and there were, you know, some other people. I'm trying to make this as simple as I can. Let's let's use Adidas because that leads us to Kansas and Louisville, who are Adidas schools. And so Adidas, um, you know, pays huge money. Kansas 
They just renewed, I think, in 2019 for like $196 million for 10 years that they're paying into the athletic department for Adidas Apparel, uh, you know, being the apparel for uh, Kansas and and similar ties to to Louisville. But then the Adidas representatives are trying to get certain players to attend those schools. And so, um, like, the, the three names that keep popping up are uh, D'Souza, Ayton, and Billy Preston. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that money was actually paid uh, to the families of these players from Adidas to those, uh, those families. And the question is, uh, what did the head coaches know? What did the athletic department know? And um, this, uh, this guy that uh, is uh, in the middle of it, uh, this uh, T.J. Gasnola is the Adidas representative, and he's described as the lucky Luciano of the of the scheme, and uh, there are actually texts between him and Bill Self about players, about individual players, and whether or not they're going to actually go to the the uh, school. And Bill Self, uh, Bill Self, he's the guy's a scumbag, and the and the the, the news articles all show the Kansas uh, school administrators didn't want him around, but Bill Self wanted him around. And when Bill Self was admitted uh, to the College Basketball Hall of Fame, they, uh, Adidas put on a $250,000 reception for Self. And here's who center in that is this T.J. Gasnola. And interestingly, when uh, Billy Preston uh, did his official campus visit, who's staying in the same hotel as Billy Preston but the same guy, this uh, uh, Gasnola. And um, so uh, Self is, uh, is on text uh, talking to uh, Gasnola, quoted as saying, just got to get some real guys. And and also said, I think, we go, when they were talking about one individual player. So you can see there's circumstantial evidence that Self um, knew that this relationship with Adidas was financial to get players to his program. All right, let's go back. And compare that to what they did to us. And I hate to do this, but I think that for our for your listeners, they'll understand. So you know, they investigated uh, us about Dion and Lafonso Ellis, and those charges ultimately fell flat. And uh, it could have ended right there. The investigation could have ended right there. We were not guilty, uh, but they didn't want to do that. So they started looking at the uh, the relationship between the athletic program and a car dealership, and it turned out that a couple of our players had bought cars through this car dealership. And eventually the, the NCAA said that that, that car dealership was um, you know, a, a person that was interested in the athletic program, or a booster, to use your phrase, mm-hmm. of the athletic program, and that the U of I did not uh, practice institutional control to regulate the relationship between, between the players and the car dealership and that the players who somehow were getting, you know, financial benefit from that car dealership. So that's what the, that's the theory behind this whole Kansas and Louisville stuff is one it's institutional against the 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 college the university uh, for not exercising uh, institutional control over that financial relationship with Adidas. And second, they now have this level against head coaches where head coaches can't be held to have responsibility for the booster who commits wrongdoing. That, uh, I've tried to summarize it as best I can. Steve Beckett is with us. Uh, Duke has kind of come under uh, fire here recently, or potential 
potential fire with uh, some allegations involving Zion Williamson. Have you uh, looked at that at all? Yeah, I saw that in the I saw that in the press. I guess it came out uh, it came out that their payment their their monetary payments uh, uh, to him, uh, and so obviously uh, you follow the money, don't you, in NCAA basketball. And that's sort of interesting. Uh, you know, Chris Dawkins' take on the take on this is that it's crazy. This is all crazy. That that of course you're talking about uh, minority kids who need money, whose families have nothing, and you're sending them off to school, and you're saying you can't pay them money, but everybody has an interest in them being successful and going on to have professional careers and wanting to hitch your wagon to their star. And so, of course, you want to give them money to make sure that they're comfortable in college, and that way you'll form a relationship, and then when they complete their eligibility, they'll stick with you. And Chris Dawkins, who's probably the only only honest guy in this, who's saying, hell yes, I did that, excuse my language, I did that, and uh, I don't care that it was the right thing to do. Yeah, actually, he... Go ahead, Steve. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say we have a phone call for uh, Steve Beckett. Tom is with us. Go ahead, Tom. You're on the air. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mr. Beckett, I was wondering about this. Uh, maybe if you've already touched on this, I apologize. But Adidas or Nike or whatever are private companies. And so in my opinion, I'm thinking if I'm a private company, I can give money to whoever I want. Um also, I can't believe the NCAA, they must have been asleep for years because I think it's fair to say the elite AAU teams are sponsored by Adidas, <clears throat> excuse me, Adidas and Nike and, and shoe companies, and they, ex- I don't know what the NCAA expects to happen. Um, the shoe companies are involved with these players from the time they're 12 years old or something, and then they expect it to just stop at the at the door to the to university. I mean, I can see you, you don't want the head coach or the coaching staff and stuff involved, but it's a bigger, it, it's just a much bigger problem than, you know, some guy that's a street thug, you know, getting a couple guys to go to Kansas, in my opinion. Well, I agree with the, the, under, the basic theme of your question. So first of all, the NCAA can't do anything to Adidas. They can't do anything to Nike. I mean, they are private uh, companies, and obviously those companies exist for profit. That's what our system is is all about. I don't know if you saw the right, right. the last dance where they signed Michael Jordan for those shoes and came up with Air Jordan, and they were projecting they were going to do this kind of sales, and it was like five million times what they were projecting. So there obviously is a huge market, and so this is all marketing for the companies. But the NCAA, if you are going to continue to have the model of collegiate sports being amateur sports, then they want to regulate themselves and keep money out of it. Now, I think they they believe that they've taken steps to work towards that by, uh, for example, allowing the the, uh, advertising that players are going to be allowed to do. Now and I don't know how the University of Illinois or, or any other major college is going to handle that with their players, but obviously you're, you're playing with fire when you're talking about the kind of money that could come to a player, uh, you know, that way just even for advertising. So I agree with you. It's uh, it, it's a uh, it's the regulation of something that is probably not subject to regulation. 
Well, that's right. And, and, you know, heck, I'm a U of I alum, so I'm all about the line. I bet, I mean, I remember the University of Illinois switching, for example, from Pepsi products to Coke products. And you talk about a lot of money involved. And then also, uh, Illinois used to be a Converse school, and now they're a Nike school. So this, <laughs> there's lots of money trading hey, all over you know, the you, place. You're a U of I and alum. I my my freshman year in college, the fall semester of my freshman year, we had a tremendous football team, we had a tremendous basketball team, and that's when the slush fund hit, and that was all about money. And that pretty much gutted the athletic success of the major right. sports, sports programs was, while I was in school. It was pennies compared to what it is now, too. Yeah, oh, oh no, I agree. Yeah, my goodness, they were paying Rich Jones $35 a month, <laughs> which which uh, some SEC schools legally did. I think they had a 25 limit or something like call, uh What was that called? Uh, uh, oh, just money to wash your clothes or clean a stipend? Your, well, yeah, but yeah, it was a stipend, but uh, it was legal. That the, the amount of money that Illinois was giving some of their players like Dunlap and and Jones was a, was approximately equivalent to non-Big Ten schools were able to give by NCA rules, but there were more to it than that. But I just I just wonder uh, where we're going with this uh, name image uh, business. Uh, maybe in, in 2020 uh, I'm I'm wrong. It's not it's not this year. It's it's a, a year from now that they should be able to get the stipend or the full not stipend. They can do they can do endorsements, make money on their name. Where are we going with that, uh, Steve? Well, I, as I say, it, it's, uh, it's a situation that's fraught with financial danger, isn't it? I mean, some player uh, could be unlimited. He could be the next Michael Jordan. And look at the, what the shoe company wants to do with him while he's in college. And so there has to be some kind of limits or caps that are placed on it. And obviously the the, now look and see, we've got these uh, private companies who are looking for endorsements, and hypothetically the U of I has to uh, monitor this. Otherwise, they're going to say they're not exercising institutional control. So it's, like I say, it just looks like a nightmare to me. Well, it's a nightmare, and there's, there, there's a committee now working on what they call guardrails, which is basically limits that can be placed on this because, for instance, if you – are a Nike school at the University of Illinois, you can't have one of your students signing up with uh, Adidas. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that makes sense. There's, there's going to be all kinds of limits like that, but I don't, I don't know what they are, but that's what they're working on right now. Any, hey. other, any other thoughts, Steve? Well, um, you know, Bill Self uh, and Kansas uh, are fighting back, and, and uh, I think Louisville will too. They have the same lawyer, Mike Glazier. You may remember him. Oh, yeah. And Mike, uh, Mike Glazier was with um, Mike Slive. And so, you know, back in our day, there was the Slive philosophy, which is that the law firm became a mini NCAA, and they came in and said, everybody is wrong, uh, all the coaches are wrong, fire the coaches, show institutional control, et cetera. But, you know, Mike has, uh, Mike actually represented North Carolina in the basket weaving course uh, <laughs> situation. And so, you know, he obviously knows the NCAA culture, knows the NCAA rules. He's been very, very, very successful, very, very good attorney. I actually had a reporter from uh, Louisville call me this week uh, asking me about Mike because um, of comments that I made back in 94 in a Sports Illustrated article uh, 
where I basically talked about that old philosophy. But I had a case with Mike uh, where I represented an individual, and he represented a, a major school in an NCAA investigation. I'm telling you, that guy knows what he's doing. He really, really does. And so they uh, they released uh, Kansas released their response. I think went in March um, about the NCAA uh, allegations, and then the NCAA responded to Kansas's response and and basically uh, said that you know they're getting all this money and they're just uh, t- turning looking the other way. And you know it's sort of uh, the the head coach is a wink wink nod nod. They want the benefit of all these good players coming and they want the help of the, of the apparel companies and getting the players uh, to them. But they want to pretend that uh, their assistant coaches or their head coaches didn't know anything about these payments, but you know, Billy Preston. uh, So his family got a huge amount of money and uh, like the fall semester, he's a freshman and he gets in a car wreck in a brand spanking new car. I mean, come on. (laughs) And the head coach doesn't know. That's that seems crazy. Well, I tell you, I th- I would say this: uh, if I'm an assist, if I'm a group, if I'm a group of boosters and I'm I'm donor and making donations and I want to help players, I'm going to try to keep the coach from knowing. I wonder if they really let Shashevsky know what was going on with the Zion Williamson fi- family behind the scenes. I would imagine well, but, they tried to protect Shashevsky at all cost. Well, of course, that's. Hey, I hate to use this analysis, but it's true. It's the mafia, you know. Say nothing, no nothing. That's the whole point to have deniability. Uh, and uh, of course, you want to protect your head coach, and so you, you know, you would do that, and the head coach would know. And that's why I think these texts between Bill Self and Gasnola, or um, Gasnola, not Gasnola, the other guy, code. Um, yeah, code. Um, are so uh, are so funny. It's you know that that in that in fact he's acknowledging that the guy's out there trying to get players for him. Well, how long does this drag on, and will these coaches be anywhere Ooh. to be found? Oh wow, okay, good well, question. We, have a, we got a different procedure now. So remember, we we had the infractions committee. So now the NCAA has set up the independent accountability resolution process. And this is a five-member panel, legal, educational, athletic people, and you, it's like an arbitration. And you turn it over to them, and this panel decides whether or not there are violations and what the appropriate penalty is. Um, and uh, that way you don't have to go through the adversarial infractions uh, process. And so I don't know if any anybody will make use of that. I know that... Um, Who's the athlete that's that got suspended for twelve games? Uh, uh, we played him, didn't we? Uh, uh, I want to say Memphis. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, then he just gave up his his freshman year. Well, they have an NCAA case, and they're using this process, and so we ought to see that and see what the result is. Because otherwise, you know, these NCAA cases can take a year, year and a half. It's going to take a long time in any case. I think before he can even get to that panel. I, yeah, I, I mean they're in the they're, they're the process right now. I think the uh, Kansas has responded to the NCA with an appeal, right? And what what does the NCA do now? Uh, do they how how soon can they go to that panel? I don't know. I don't know. I, like I say, it's a new. I think it's a new process. 
Um, so I, I, I'm just not sure how well it's going to work. Back to uh, college football and whatever comes next in sports. Do you see a scenario where college football is played by some and not others uh, this fall? Oh, of course. Of course. I think that. What about uh, within the uh, same league? I don't. Uh, wow. That messes up everything. That it does. messes up schedules. That just messes up everything. I don't. Um, this is unknown territory, uh, unknown territory. Obviously, uh, if you don't start on, on schedule, you have to have a modified schedule. And so if you're going to have a modified schedule, you could have a situation within a conference where not everybody participates because you wouldn't need the same number of games, you know, that you otherwise would have had. And you can, you know, you could set up a new schedule, but how do you have, uh, you know, are the games uh, all now uh, televised games with no crowds? I guess today there's a NASCAR race that's a race without crowds. I, yeah. that's, that's what I heard anyway. I don't know if, that, if that's accurate or not. But that's well, not sports the way you, you and I have ever enjoyed sports. You see Brady Hoke sitting out there at San Diego State. The former Michigan coach is the head coach at San Diego State now. And that's, that school has already announced it's going to have online classes mostly, not entirely. I think the nursing school and a couple, maybe there's a couple other schools that are going to have some students on campus, but they don't know if they're going to have a football team. They're a member of the Mountain West. There are three members of the Mountain West right now that, have, that are going to have online classes and may not have teams. Well, but you can have, you can have online classes and still have the presence of students on campus. Yeah. See, you could have that yeah. modified. I think the idea behind the online classes, for example, you know, my first class at the University of Illinois, I walked into Noise Lab and there were 350 people in a lecture hall. Well, that ain't going to happen if you're going to have social distancing. No. And so those, that kind of class, um, you know, you can, uh, you can have virtually. And then like your smaller section classes where you have the teaching assistant, you know, and you're acting off of what you learned in the, in the larger one, those you could create in a classroom where you have social distancing. So I think you can have students on campus um, and still have some virtual and some live classes. Well, that's probably what they're going to do in, in that California system. Steve probably Beckett, so. thanks for your time. As always, we appreciate it. It's always great to talk to you guys. Yep. Thanks a lot, Steve. Steve Bye. Beckett with us, retired University of Illinois law professor. I mean, he's probably not too... Uh, I think he's Too keeping sad up on about that. being retired. Oh, he's definitely keeping up, but he's probably okay with being retired right at the moment. It is 1027. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break and be back with more as we approach the bottom of hour number two. Stay with us. Ten thirty WDWS Champaign Urbana with Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open, 356-9397. With you until 11 o'clock. We're going to talk some Illinois football recruiting in just a moment. But first, we're going to take a call from Steve in Princeton. Hey, Steve, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Yes, I just got a question. Of course, you've been talking baseball and this and that. But I haven't heard the name Nick Irvin leaving Morgan Park to go to Western Illinois, and I just wondered if Illinois or Lauren or you guys had any comment on that was a surprise move, I thought, that he'd leave Morgan Park to be an assistant at Western. Well, I think that – now, I may be mistaken in this. I think his actual – first of all, 
the money you make as a coach is minimal, okay? You don't make a living just being a coach if you don't have if you're not teaching at the school. If you don't have a job You're for, talking about high school, right? I'm talking about high school. Yes. He's he's coaching the team at Morgan Park. But there's not much money involved in just coaching the team at Morgan Park if you're not in the school as a teacher. And he's got to make a lot more money at Western Illinois as an assistant because I was told he did he has a job but it's not a particularly he's not a teacher at the school, okay? He works at the school. So he is being paid a salary, but I think I'm I, I'm talking a little bit about more than I know, but I think that he I can tell you he's making a lot more money at Western, and now he's into the college ranks, and he's young enough he can work his way up and make a lot of money if you get a good you know in, in college coaching you can make a lot of money. But I was just thought that if he was going to make a move, he what you know the U of I staff or. A Big Ten school or Mac, but I mean, I was just kind of surprised he'd make that move to Western. I thought somebody else would try and get. Well, it first. I think he's got a he's got a relationship with Rob Jeter, the head uh-huh. coach there, and I yeah. think he might look at that as a a good first step in yeah. to the uh, college scene with uh, with hopes of maybe staying with Jeter or, or moving uh, to another school at some point. So anyway, thanks for the info. Yep, thanks for the call, Steve. We appreciate that. Let's say good morning to uh, Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. Doug, how are you getting along these days? Uh, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I'm sheltering in place here, uh, getting uh, kind of stir crazy, but uh, doing well. Uh, you know, uh, recruiting starting to take off, so getting pretty exciting about that. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Illinois football recruiting. Uh, not ranked uh, very high right now in the Big Ten, uh, dead last actually, but uh, a couple of commitments this week. Uh, give us your uh, overall view of how things are going and how you think they might continue to go. Well, you know, I think because of this lockdown with the, the COVID-19 thing, they haven't been real aggressive with taking uh, commitments. But because, uh, you know, Lovey Smith's MO is, is he likes to get kids on campus for, for visits and they haven't been able to do, to do that. But he likes them to visit before they commit. And I, I think that uh, this week he, he, he pushed the on button and they're going to start taking commits now and telling kids that they can that they can commit and come to Illinois. And they they picked up a linebacker uh, from Florida that they like, an under the radar kid, Trevor Moffitt. You know, he's he's an undersized kid that runs really well if you watch his huddle film. Really quick kid, runs to the ball, can, can chase down ball carriers, uh, beat him to the sideline. Uh, not a kid that's going to make a lot of plays in the box. He's he's only about two, uh, you know less than 200 pounds. Uh, but, you know, he's kind of a tweener. He's a guy that would play rover in that kind of defense, drop down and into the box on the rundowns, and, and, and can cover multiple positions. So they they liked him. He, Illinois was his only Power 5 offer, and they took a commitment. Um, then they got the transfer from Louisville at a neat position of safety, uh, Treshawn Smith. You know, he played two years at Louisville, his first two years, and last year he was suspended the whole season, didn't play at all. So he comes to Illinois with two years uh, of eligibility left, and, and uh, they think they got a, a spot for him in, in secondary. You know, he's a good player. He, he's uh, uh, talented. He's rangy. He's, he's got good size. He can play either free safety or strong safety. So, you know, a couple good gets, and hopefully that opens the, the floodgates and they start picking up some more guys. What kind of feedback do you get from Illinois high school coaches that you talk to about uh, football recruiting of Illinois kids to Illinois? Um, uh, you know, maybe we're in a downtrend of – of quality players top to bottom, but uh, what are you hearing from high school coaches about the, the U of I right now? 
Well, they, you know, they kind of get mixed messages. I mean, they'll offer a kid early and, and they'll recruit him. And then, when it, you know, a kid like Willie Shaw, for example, from Chicago, uh, Brother Rice, a running back, they offered him last summer at a camp. Uh, they recruited him pretty hard throughout the process. And then uh, it came down to the time to commit. And, and, and Illinois decided they don't want to take a running back. And he committed to uh, Toledo. Uh, you know, Nebraska had offered him before. They'd kind of slow played him like Illinois did and didn't take him. But uh, so he's committed to, to Toledo. And, you know, out of the top 30 in the state, you know, in the state of Illinois, 18 kids are committed and none of them are committed to Illinois. And they didn't, you know, as you know, they didn't get any Illinois kids last year. So, you know, um, they're, they're pushing for a couple of kids. Dominic Louvet, the wide receiver from East St. Louis, is, is uh, their number one target. And, um, but, yeah, like I said, mixed messages a little bit because they'll, they'll go after kids and guys like Mike Bellamy will go up to Chicago and build relationships and recruit them pretty hard. But then it seems like the head coach, Levy Smith, doesn't really prioritize the state of Illinois all that much. Well, so far we've got uh, just three players, and, and Illinois is way behind everybody else in the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, you've already spoken to this, I believe, but it, that is a really a major concern that they're this far behind because so many of the top players are gone. I mean, you you, you know, you can start landing people now, but you're not going to be able to take any of the top ones other than maybe, other than Levette maybe, huh? Well, that's right. And uh, unless, you know, you can always flip kids later, you know, um, if they commit to a lower school, like a Mac school or an FCS school or something like that. But, but um, this um, COVID-19 lockdown, I think is, uh, they thought it would slow things down, but actually as far as the kids committing, it sped things up. The kids realize that they can't take their visits. They, they'd like to take their five official visits before they commit, check out the schools in person. And uh, that's been Lovey Smith. He wants them to get on campus and show them the, the new football performance center, state-of-the-art facilities, and, and build relationships with their parents and all that kind of stuff. But uh, kids are coming off the board early, uh, and uh, Illinois kind of got behind, and that's I think now Lovey Smith is, has been more willing to take some commitments and hopefully they'll get things going here in the next week or so. What I'm really shocked about, I think I've never known Iowa and Minnesota in years to be among the top 10 recruiters in the nation. Both are in the top 10 right now, I believe, Iowa and Minnesota. What's And by the way, they've taken a number of Illinois kids, both of them, in the last two years. What's going on there? Is, is, uh, is Ferentz just now – coming into his prime. I mean, he'd been there through two decades or more. I, I'm thinking that, you know, it's kind of surprising to see him, the, the recruiting pick up so much. Yeah, with Iowa, I think it is surprising. It's not surprising to me with Minnesota because uh, the coach there, uh, uh, P.J. Fleck, he's really aggressive with kids uh, getting them to commit. You know, he'll bring them in or get them on the phone now or have a Zoom conference or whatever, and he'll he'll really push for a commitment. And he'll, he'll tell them, uh, you know, we only have so many seats. You either commit now or we're going to have to move on to somebody else. So kids fall off the board of Minnesota, and they're doing, as you can see, you look at the top 25, 30 kids in the state of Illinois, and they've got uh, several of them committed. Uh, Mar- Marquise Irving, the uh, running back from Chicago area, was, I think was the latest one. Uh, surpri- a little bit surprising they pulled the trigger. And, and uh, you know, Illinois recruited him hard. Mike Bellamy was his recruiter, and, uh, you know, he committed to Minnesota. And, Another case where Illinois probably not looking for a running back in the class, but uh, I think fans were a little disappointed to to see him pop for Minnesota. Yeah, and um, what's your thought on Iowa? What what's is it is it all stemming from that undefeated season and the, and the consistency that they've had on the field? 
Yeah, stability, you know, and, uh, you know, they produce offensive linemen. They, they produce tight ends. Uh, they're consistent. They, you know, they go to a bowl game just about every year. But uh, like you said, a little, little surprising. They get a kid like a David uh, Davikoff, the offensive lineman, who's, who's a really talented kid, four-star kid. Uh, Illinois wanted him. They had him on campus. And then, uh, you know, you, you would think a kid like him is looking at Ohio State and Michigan, but it's a little bit surprising that he committed to Iowa. Visiting with Doug Bouchon, Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. If you'd like to follow uh, the work done there. This is not a fair question, but because nobody, I don't think, has the answer. But what do you expect to see come around Labor Day weekend and 1st of September as far as college football goes? Are you, are you expecting to see games played? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, I think all 14 um, uh, athletic directors in the Big Ten are committed to playing the season. But, you know, it all depends on the political situation. You have a two states. You have two states in the Big Ten in, in um, Illinois and Michigan with the uh, governors uh, Whitmer and, and Pritzker, that two that have been very extremely cautious, you know, with their lockdown and and, uh, and reluctant to open uh, things back up. I think Pritzker now now has a plan. Uh, we'll see how that works out. But hopefully, you don't have a political system, uh, political situation like in California, where, where you know the the schools out there, the California University of California system. They had no choice but to not to not um, uh, open their schools because of the uh, political situation. But um, you know, if those two states, Illinois and Michigan, are on on board as far as the governors, uh, I think they're going to play. And then you have, of course, you have Rutgers on the East Coast in New Jersey, a state that was hit harder, you know, than most other states in the country. And uh, you know, so so you don't know what the situation is going to be there as far as uh, social distancing when it, when you get to. August and September, but you know I think they got to look at it a little bit sooner than September because you know about two months from now things really kick off. You usually have Big Ten media days in Chicago in mid July, and then a couple weeks later camps open up. So you know it's hard to picture what that's going to look like uh, just a couple of months from now. Uh, one more question: I'm I'm fixated on this one subject uh, from the state of Illinois. Do you see? Uh, Olin Krutz or anybody else from the state of Illinois signed. Illinois hasn't signed a, hasn't signed a player from Illinois for two, from directly from an Illinois high school for two years. I mean, they didn't get anybody last year, and they got nobody in this coming class. What's your thoughts? Do, do you do you see some uh, signing some some of these players who will be seniors in high school this year? Yeah, you mentioned uh, Kruitz. You know, he's the son of uh, Olin Kruitz, the offensive lineman that played for Levy Smith with the Bears. I think he's very high on Illinois, and they have a, a really good shot at him. He's a three-star offensive lineman. He plays center in high school. He can play guard or center. Uh, he's kind of like a, a Doug Kramer type uh, on the short side, around 6'1", 6'2". Uh, plays at Loyola Academy. And I, I think they have a really good really good shot at him. You know, uh, Dominic Levette we talked about, and he's um, – you know, he's but he's recruited by everybody. He's got offers from from all the top schools in the country. And uh, then uh, Keontes, uh Lewis, another wide receiver from East St. Louis, more of a big and physical kid. Uh, he's got Illinois in his top ten. They're they're really uh, recruiting him hard. But he, you know, he likes the SEC a lot too. And he's got offers from Arkansas, Mississippi State, Old Miss, Kentucky, Tennessee. Um, those are some schools uh, uh, in his top ten, along with Mizzou too. And Mizzou's been recruiting St. Louis area really well. Doug Bouchon from Rivals.com, Orange and Blue News. Hopefully we'll have some games to talk to before too long. We appreciate your time. All right. Thank you very much. If you'd like to follow those guys, Illinois.Rivals.com.
for Orange and Blue News. One thing I was going to bring up, and I forgot, but uh, Illinois is right now at 85, I believe, in scholarships. So in order for them to bring in, uh, if I'm, I'm accurate on this, if they, in order for them to bring in anybody for this fall, anybody new that they don't have, they'd have to drop somebody. I mean, or, or they'd have to find another way, like maybe uh, uh, arranging for a scholarship to be uh, a year hence or whatever. They'd have to do some... Uh, business with that uh, individual or with somebody already on the squad to find room for an 85th, an, you know, an 86th player. In, in That's, I'm talking about just on scholarship. Yes. They've got other players that are not on scholarship. Of course, it'll take them over 100. Sure, preferred walk-ons and such and yes. walk-ons. Yes. But of the 85, there are what, 13 transfers? Yes. Uh-huh. There are 13 transfers and there's also 13 players who came in on this, that who will be arriving here in the fall for the first time, right. who will be playing for Illinois for the first time, of which two of those are junior college players. They only have 11 high school players coming in this year on scholarship to play for Illinois. 11. But they only had that many. I mean, they're, they're also tied on scholarships, right. obviously, when, when you got 85. But what I'm, the reason I bring this up, is as you know, they just got another transfer from Florida. Uh, uh, Smith, uh, safety, they just got him this week. From Louisville. I'm sorry, yes. from Louisville, mm-hmm. excuse me. It's okay. Now, he's still, they're still looking for transfers, but they don't have any scholarships open. I know that if they find somebody they really like, I know they'll make it work. I'm not saying they won't take anybody, but I am saying that they do have 85 right now if our numbers are right. Yep. And by the way, when I say if our numbers are right, Lovey knows things about his numbers that we never know. I mean, he's got, he's, he's, you know, he's dealing with 85 players. He knows who's coming back and who might not be coming back or who's got academic problems or who's got any, you know, any reason why they might leave and, and they might uh, get on the, might go into the portal. Yep. And so uh, I'm not suggesting we wouldn't take anybody else, but I am saying that we are, Full right now. 10.45 is the time. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a time out. Be back. We've got an open line the rest of the way. So if you've been waiting to get in and have any thoughts or comments, now's the time over the next 15 minutes or so. Back after this. Ten forty-seven here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line is open for the next 13 minutes, 356-9397. Let's go to, the buff, uh, go to the phones and Bill in Charleston. Hey, Bill. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Good. Steve, I hear you're going to play it at, at Orange Course this year. How's it looking so far? Looks really good. Um, you should come up. Good. Both the orange and the blue in great shape. The, hole, the holes are longer questions. this year. Lauren says the holes are yes, longer. Yes, they are. <laughs> it's nice and wet, I know. Hey, uh, just a couple of comments or questions, I guess, Lauren. I know you've talked about this, and Steve Beckett mentioned it, about Bill Self. Uh, did he cheat at Illinois to get anybody? And uh, your thoughts on that, uh, if we think he did something impermissible at Kansas and at, maybe at Tulsa, my take is if you've always done something, you've probably not changed your behavior until you're caught. And uh, just your thought on that. Well, and I, then the other I don't know Lovey. what he did at Tulsa, and I don't, I'm not clear that he cheated at Illinois. I'm sure that uh, there were things going on that I don't know about, but I'm not aware. Well, you of, know about everything, Lauren. No, I so don't. Everything I don't. that happens. Uh, no, I don't. I, especially I, after people leave. 
Right. It, you do find out. I have found out things after people leave, and and that and is so. true. But I'm, I'm, you know, but when I, you're, we're talking about hearsay here, and I have hearsay about certain athletes at Illinois, but I can't prove it, and yeah. I don't even know if it's true. Yeah, and then the other thing, I guess, just about loving it. I heard uh, Bouchon say, you know, he's just not changed, and and so forth. I just don't see any scenario where he's successful. Uh, long term, we got a we're excited about a 185 pound linebacker, two star with speed. That that's just never. Even if he puts on 225, that'll be years down the road. And and we've got coaches that don't really have any pedigree in big time college football. Uh, Levy, I believe, I'm not sure that he's even invested in the community. I'm not sure he has bought a property there. He's making millions of dollars. It just doesn't seem like he's all in uh, to the way it needs to be for football. Your thoughts on that? I think he's all in for the way he coaches and the way he recruits. I think he's committed that way. I don't know if it's working. Obviously, it's not working when you have 13 players coming onto campus this coming August, 13 new players. 11 of them are from high school, none from the state of Illinois, and of those 13 players, five of them are two-star. Now, that doesn't mean that that they are – I mean, they could be better players than that, but when you're – there is no lower rating than two-star. I mean, unless you just don't have any rating at all. The Two-star is the lowest one, and five of the 13 players we're bringing in are two-stars, and that bothers me Not because I know some of those two-stars may be terrific. They may, you know, we get guys that uh, fedge them, and it just fools you, you know. And, right. But, but really, if, if you look over here, and, and here's Not Ohio, against five-stars, Lauren. Here, here's Ohio State. They've got a five-star. They've got four, 13 right. four-stars, and they've got 18 players the last, uh, last count. They may have more than that now. I got them at 18 a, a week ago. And and the 13 four-stars, just think, if we get one four-star, that's sensational. If we get two, that's yeah. exceptional. That's unusual. We've never had, I think, we've never had three four-stars in one year, have we, Steve? I, don't, I mean, I'm talking about the last four or five years. I don't think we have. Well, this is where I go back to Underwood, giving him some credit, changing his style of play. Levy seems to be too bullheaded to believe that uh, his defense can work. And, again, there hasn't been anything in four years that's indicated that that's worked. Um, And and so I guess it's just the difference between being flexible and it's in the recruiting and it's in, you know, with this uh, situation we're in now and his willingness to bring kids on campus is the only way he's going to get commits. That just does not seem to be working, and I just don't see a long-term path uh, this year should be their best year, but then they're going to be, I think you said last week, it's going to be pretty cupboard bare. Uh, we've got a lot of seniors back this year. Uh, what are we going to have next year? Because we don't have a lot of guys that play. Uh, it'll just be interesting. So uh, I'll hang up and just listen to your thoughts for the rest of the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks, well, we've, got, we've got 25 seniors on the team, which means if barring injury or, or some kind of a red shirt that happens, you're going to lose 25 players at the end of this football season. Therefore, you need to bring in 25 in this 2021 class. So far, we have three high school players, three high school players so far. And you're going to want 25 total, including any transfers. They got a long way to go in this. They got like, they need to bring in another 15, 16, 17 players out of high school. And that's not going to happen, I don't think. Some other notes, you knew this was going to happen. The June 3rd date for players who have their names in the NBA draft. 
has been extended indefinitely. Mm-hmm. So um, Io and Kofi are still in. They can pull out anytime they want, but there's no deadline no right date. now. No, no date. Date. We don't know when the draft will be for sure. Yeah, until we know when the draft is, uh, you know, <laughs> we're not going to know when the pullout date is. Right. So we'll have to keep an eye on that uh, nervously uh, for many Illini fans. Michael Finke back in town and uh, is in the news a little bit. He's the latest addition to the uh, uh, Champagne team in the uh, basketball tournament that they hope to play in July. He joins Andres Feliz, Revante Rice, Leron Black, Nana Egwu, and Malcolm Hill. That's the Tulip's team, huh? Yep, Mike Latulip is coaching that. Ohio State, the Carmen crew, in which uh, on which Dimitri McKamey plays, mm-hmm. won it all last year. Oh, did they? $2 million to be split among 10 guys or so. That's good. Not a bad piece of summer Who puts work. up that money, I wonder? I'm not sure. I'm not sure who the sponsor is on that. We could find that out. 10.53 is the time. If you thought uh, during this time about uh, when things get back to normal, maybe replacing windows and doors in your home, how about a trip to the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Mike Mary and the folks there have been assisting homeowners and businesses in the area for almost 50 years now. They do things the right way. As you might uh, guess, there are a lot of things to consider when replacing windows and doors, things like Comfort, convenience, security, obviously. The Pella Window Store has many samples on the showroom floor for you to check out, or you can look at their products online as well. North Country Fair Drive is the location, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. Normally, they're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 during the week. They're closed. The showroom is closed currently. Maybe that will be changing soon. We'll have to wait and see, but you can still contact them. Uh, online or check them out on the uh, webpage at PellaOfChampagne.com. Their sales folks are still there for you and answering any questions you might have. So uh, keep in mind the folks at Pella Windows, Alani Pella Windows and Doors on North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, 1055. We'll take a final break and be back with some final notes here in just a moment. Stay with us. We've got a couple of minutes left here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. A lot of, covered a lot of ground this morning. We began things with uh, Andre Corbello, incoming basketball point guard. You know something about that, Steve? It's really good to have a, an obviously intelligent um, young man who is your point guard. I mean, it's just that goes with it. I mean, part of being a point guard is being leader. And, and this he, sure sounds like a leader. He does, and uh, very well-spoken. He mentioned that uh, he played for the uh, Puerto Rican national team. That's great experience for a young guy to come in and uh, yep. and uh, bring that along with him. And he played at a pretty high level in the, in the high, school, uh, tur- uh, high school schedule as well. Oh, I'll say. Those tournaments that they won, he was an MVP of every one. Those are big tournaments. So he's coming in with Adam I'll Miller see. and uh, Coleman Hawkins. Hopefully they'll be here in June and uh, – we uh, start seeing things return to some form of normalcy, although every day you read about pay cuts, sports dropping. Akron dropped several sports. Bowling Green dropped baseball. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the MAC is really uh, cutting out stuff. And MAC, I, when, when you see how much money they're losing on all these sports and you realize that the money has to come from the university – and not the football program because the football program in those schools doesn't pay for everything like it does at Ohio State and Illinois and Michigan and 
in, in, in Big Ten. I mean, it, the, that distribution that Illinois gets of 53 point whatever, $53 million every year, every year, counting on that, Steve. We were counting on that, and are we going to be able to count on it in the future? Well, it's been a fact for years that the other sports don't generate money. and you, right. the, They lose but now money. We're, we have, but now we're really feeling that, and, and schools across the country are really feeling it. Do you it. think Illinois is on the verge of anything like a uh, salary cuts, as Whitman indicated? He hadn't indicated anything that I know of. Do you think that they can get by without any, any uh, re- reductions in salary or furloughs? That I don't know. Um, I just haven't heard any reference to it either, but uh, I'm sure that it's been discussed, obviously. Oh, boy, I bet it has been. That's going to take care of things. We appreciate you listening and calling this morning. Again, thanks to Andre Corbello, Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis, retired U of I law professor Stephen Beckett, and Doug Bouchon from Orange and Blue News. Thanks to Blake Landa for his help here in the the studio and master control. And we'll be back with you, everything uh, willing, next week here on Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk. For Lawrence Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.